Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to the nest. Um, the nest is Nessa's new audio conversation series where we talk to experts and dig deeper into the subjects most important to our mission areas. So I'm particularly excited about our guest today, Julie James, MS, who I'll introduce properly in a moment. Um, first of all, who am I? I'm Andy Regan. I'm mission manager for a sustainable future at Nesta Cymru. Um, for those that don't know, Nesta is the UK's innovation agency for social good. We have an ambitious 10-year strategy working to promote innovation across three missions of a fairer start for every child, a healthy life for all, and a sustainable future where the economy works better for people and the planet. So my role is to represent our sustainable future work in Wales, developing innovation partnerships around our mission to speed up the decarbonisation of domestic emissions over the next 10 years. So if that sounds like you, please do get in touch with me. Um, a little bit of housekeeping, we'll be have about 30 minutes for today's session with five minutes available um, at the at the end uh, four questions um which will be focused on the areas of, of housing and energy you can ask your questions by tweeting at nesta underscore uk and we'll try to answer those at the end of the discussion and you can also access closed captions uh, within the space so Today, um, I'm joined by Julie James MS. She's been the Welsh Labour uh, Senate member for Swansea West since 2011 and the Welsh Minister for Climate Change since 2021. Uh, prior to this, she served as Minister of Housing and Local Government and has been a leading environmental and constitutional lawyer, as well as spending many years in local government. Minister, welcome to the nest. Hello, very nice to be here. Great, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Um, so just for the benefit of perhaps any, any listeners from outside Wales, um, we've had a climate ministry since since last year, following the, the Senate elections. Can you just set out for us, like, what does the climate ministry do? What are the sort of things that are in your, your policy portfolio? Um, yes, uh, certainly. Um, so what we've tried to do is bring together a large number of the levers that we need to be able to um, shift the dial, if you like, on our net zero um, ambitions. So it brings together um, power, transport, waste, housing and buildings, forestry, water quality, um, the national parks, the national forest, uh, a whole series of things. The the um, biggest lever that we don't have is the sustainable farming scheme. That stayed with my colleague, Leslie Griffiths, but I work very closely with her across the government so that we, the idea is to bring together all of the um, areas where we can make the most difference in in coming out of our silos and working in a more holistic way to uh, address both the climate and the nature emergencies. That's quite a lot to cover. And okay. is the idea that bringing bringing those things together within the new structure partly that essentially climate change becomes the top priority within each of those areas to kind of, you know, where there's a trade-off to be made to help you kind of prioritise that, or is that not quite how it works? Yeah, so the First Minister introduced the new government by saying that the new ministry puts climate change at the heart of everything we do, becomes the central organising principle for the Welsh government. So yes, it very much is with a view to changing the way that we make those decisions, changing the effect that we think those decisions will have and bringing them together so that we get the very best of a combination of a series of levers as we you know, work towards what is the challenge of our generation after all. Yeah, very much would, would agree with that. Um, so today, as I, as I said, we're going to focus on the two 
areas of your portfolio which most relate to Nesta's work, um, which would be energy and housing. So I wanted to sort of start with big and, and wide and, and in the future and then kind of work, work backwards towards today. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing about kind of your your view, your vision for the, the future energy system in Wales. So if we kind of imagine ourselves in 2050 and assume that you've, you know, you've succeeded with all the things that you're, you're putting in place, you know, an, an optimistic vision of, of, of the future and the system kind of now looks exactly as you you in, you intended it so could you kind of describe what that energy system then looks like what what's it achieving for wales and what sort of wales does it exist in um so i very much our ambition is that wales becomes uh, um self-sufficient in renewable energy and net exporter if at all possible so that we're not importing any energy at all and we're exporting good clean renewables around the planet and that we're doing that with the people of Wales having a very large stake themselves in the outcome of those renewables. And not just the benefit of the energy, but the benefit of the profit, if you like, from that energy as well. Now, obviously, we won't we won't be able to do that at 100%, but we're working to get as much community profit into their community ownership into their community engagement and involvement into there as we can so we have a long way to go on both of those ambitions but we're very definitely heading in that direction and so you, you've mentioned sort of exporting energy uh, from from wales in the future do you see that just in terms of kind of you know what we we, we generate within wales and then you know, we bring in benefits by selling that energy directly or do you see other roles for kind of Wales's energy system in terms of perhaps manufacturing and exporting things that the rest of the world needs for for net zero yes we very much have ambitions to become not only the energy generator but the manufacturer of a number of um, different component parts or whole systems depending on what technology you're talking about we're very involved at the moment in innovative marine energy um, things for example where there's no current global industry we'd very much like to capture uh, all or a large part of the global industry for some of the tidal tidal stream um, tidal power generators we're very involved at the moment in the deployment of um, floating wind and we're very keen indeed to see as much of the supply chains for floating wind coming here to Wales. So this is about more than just the jet energy generation, although the energy generation is very important part of our decarbonisation plans. It is about also the just transition. So this is about shifting workers who are currently in carbon intensive industries, which Wales was obviously at the forefront of the previous industrial revolution as well, shifting workers across from those industries into the new green renewable industries of the future. Um, and, you know, we have to have a transition plan to do that. So we still have gas-fired coal station, uh, gas-fired power stations in Wales. We still have active coal mines in Wales. We have a, um, a very large steel um, um, steel production um, plant in Wales. Uh, so um, we have a way to go on that transition, but we're working very hard in an innovative space to make sure that we make the best of our research capabilities. We transition those industries as far as is humanly possible away from their carbon source. And in doing so, we capture as many of the jobs for Wales as we possibly can at all levels of the supply chain, right from the design engineering um, space right down to the supply end uh, of the renewable, you know, the uh, consumable, so life jackets and boats and all that kind of stuff for the floating wind, for example. So we're really keen to capture it at all levels and to get our workforce into the skills and the just transition that we're looking for. And what do you see? Because we have a particular 
um, interested in Nesta in, in the skills it required to sort of retrofit homes and, and particularly to sort of transition homes away from gas boilers. What, what do you see in the work you've done so far as being the main kind of obstacles to overcome that and, and help those workers into those new roles? Um, so, well, we have to do a, a little bit of both um, push and demand work, don't we, there? So we're still churning out um, people who can fit gas boilers, for example, because that's very much in demand. So um, we still have a further education system and an apprenticeship system. That, And that's just one example. There are many, just to, I'm not particularly picking on the gas boiling <laughs> boiler fitters. Um, but clearly, we want to transition our homes to much cleaner sources of energy than gas. And so we need to make sure that our um, skill system, our energy, our um, further education providers and our apprenticeship system come along that journey with us. So what we're doing is we're running something called the Optimised Retrofit Programme or ORP. We love a three letter acronym. I'm afraid we're talking them all the time. So um, uh, programme and that programme is not only tech trialling. Um, different ways of retrofitting the fabric of a building um, for different types of building right across Wales. So we're doing this in conjunction with our social housing partners so that we can test trial a lot of different types of tech on different sorts of buildings and see what the outcome is. But in doing that, we're also developing a skill system to see, you know, what are the skills we need? What are, what are the fitters of the future? So if you're fitting a an air source heat pump or a ground source heat pump or a hydrogen boiler or a solar panel with battery or a combined energy purchasing system, which we have in a number of our experimental um, systems, for example. What are the skills we need? What do the FE colleges have to put in place to produce those um, people? And also, what, what are the... Um, retraining opportunities for the current workforce because this isn't just about the workforce that's currently in in school this is about the workforce that's currently in work and what are the retraining opportunities and and frankly what are the opportunities for the little businesses that are currently in the supply chain for things like gas boilers how do we get them to have a plan to um, retool and reprovision so we've got a large number of um, things that we're looking at simultaneously we, we also look at a supply chain analysis for that where 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 is the supply for that are there jobs that can be generated there can we reduce our carbon footprint by bringing those things on shore um, to wales etc so there's quite a big piece of work um, around the uh, retrofit program and also we have something called the innovative housing program i'm sure we'll get on to that's generating quite a lot of the innovation for that we've been working alongside our universities and our fe providers for a long time in looking at the skills necessary to be able to reproduce some of the innovative houses on that program yeah and actually some of my uh, my Nesta colleagues uh, came a few weeks ago to to Wales for, on on a visit to see some of the things that are happening because of devolved policy, and we visited Park Airing was one of the the sites where yeah. you know, the new build homes, which are you know very kind of nicely designed and cleanly integrated sort of heating systems with heat pumps and batteries and really easy straightforward controls and the, and the capacity to sort of export and provide you know smart services to, to the grid which perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll come on to so it certainly was you know quite a quite an interesting visit um to that to that scheme so it sounds like on, on the skills side within orp the optimized retrofit program you seem like sounds like you see this very much as a sort of supply problem that there, there are people who are there willing and able and ready to kind of make that transition or make that their career if they're younger people and that the government's role is essentially to sort of support that through provision of things that you described yeah so it's both isn't it so we also need to generate the demand 
because if you were to try and find a job as a hydrogen boiler fitter at the moment, you'd, you'd struggle. So we also have to test out the tech and make sure that we're we're specking up, if you like, the building regulations here in Wales, both for our social house providers and for our normal house builders, if I can call them that in inverted commas, mm. uh, private sector builders, to make sure that when we skill up people to do these new systems, that that's what's being put into the houses. So um, it's a little bit of both, to be honest. So we're about to um, introduce some new regulations here in the Senate about Part L of the building regulations, which will drive the, the private sector along the same path as we've been driving the social house sector. So I'm sure you know we have something called the Welsh Housing Quality Standard. We've already driven um, serious improvement across our social housing up to EPC D. We're about any minute now to introduce the new Welsh Housing Quality Standard um, beginning of next year, um, which will get us up the next you know, the next stage of that. And that pushes the demand side of that so that small private enterprises can see that there's a demand and start pushing that demand into the FE colleges. So um, we also have to uh, um, inspire a, a generation of people to want to do this work. So both to want to transition from what they're doing now and for, um, you know, young people in, who are 13, 14, 15 to want to come into these kinds of industries. So we have to work at it in a, a very holistic sort of way. It's a really big market intervention, really. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And we've, we've got some interesting work on, on skills, which we can, we'll be publishing fairly soon. And we can, we can share with you looking at some of those kind of pathways into these, these new, new jobs. Um, so let, let's focus a little more on, on home specifically, because that's that's the area that, that Nest is really focused on. And the way we're kind of framing our, our own work, as I said, is to, to speed up the decarbonisation and, and to do that within the next 10 years. And because of that, we've we've kind of not taken a tech agnostic approach, if, if you like. Mm -hmm. So we've decided to focus on trying to increase the uptake of, of low carbon heat and heat pumps in particular as you know, one of the, the best technologies available at the moment in terms of how efficient they are. Um, but there's obviously lots of kind of challenges in terms of getting the uptake of those. You've mentioned um, hydrogen boilers a moment ago. Do you, is the Welsh government's take that the kind of the question is still open on what the optimal heat sources would be for homes in, in the long term? Or, or do you have a kind of preferred candidate for the way people will heat their homes in the future? We don't have a preferred candidate. We're doing the tech trials. And I suspect strongly that we will have a range depending on what kind of house you live in. So learning the lessons of the Welsh Housing Quality Standard. So we have um, brought the vast majority of our social homes up to EPCD using a um, external insulation system and various other things. But we have had you know, people tend to concentrate on the negative. So I just want to emphasize that the program was very successful first, but we have had a number of homes where that wasn't suitable. And what we've got is really bad running condensation problems and so on, because we've changed the way that that home was, was designed. So what we've wanted to do is learn from that, that actually one size does not fit all. And for some homes, an air source heat pump is great and for other homes it just is never going to do the job and the, the sheer cost of running it is, is never going to get you to the sort of temperature that very you know most people like to be at just most people want their homes to be somewhere between 19 and 22 degrees so um I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of colder houses myself, but most people like them between those uh, those two um, sorts of ranges. So for some of our homes in Wales, and we have some of the worst housing stock in Europe as well as some of the best, um, you know, an SOS heat pump isn't really going to hack it, to be honest. But for many of our homes, of course, it will be fine. 
So we we want to we want to be able to give advice out to people, um, both in the work with our social housing partners, but using the learning that we're getting from ORP to help drive what I think will probably end up being a loan and grant system for owner occupiers. And I particularly want to work with the private rented sector for how we can get incentivized um, retrofit schemes in there, because what we're very keen to do is make sure that our landlords are able to do that and don't just come out of the private rented sector because it's all just too difficult because that would cause us some severe difficulty as well so we have a a range of schemes which i'm afraid in half an hour we probably haven't got time to rattle through but we have a range of schemes trying to incentivize various types of housing provider to 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 do the right thing and um, in order to incentivize them we're hoping to be able to give them tried and tested advice about what might work in the type of house that they're currently in so you know between the wars semi is going to look very different to a a 19th century stone terrace in the Ronda, for example yeah and i thought that makes sense and i think you know we we would take the view actually that based on trials that has been done by energy systems catapult in particular you're probably aware at the end i think it was the end of last year early this year they published some research into installing heat pumps in different property archetypes in the uk trying to do a representative um sample size isn't the right word but to represent the kind of different housing archetypes in the uk whether heat pumps can be installed in those homes and heat them effectively and actually there's quite a lot more kind of positive news within that around heat pumps um, and it's more about getting the balance of the kind of fabric insulation sure. right but it's you know you've you've talked quite a lot in, in different contexts about a fabric first approach to so getting the home kind of ready to transition to it to its new heat source uh, and a lot of that for the reasons that you've you've mentioned around Wales's um, older housing stock uh, is will of course be to do with with cost um, which yeah. is one of the, the big issues we face. I was the, the chair of the Wales Fuel Poverty Coalition for quite a number of years, mm-hmm. so it's never far from my, my thoughts how, how the, this affects people. So I'm interested in, 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 in two things. Um, you've mentioned how the learning from the optimised retrofit programme will kind of travel into the, the owner-occupied sector. Um, and you've also mentioned the, the, the finance that you're, you're developing, which um, probably awareness is actually in, uh, helping with some of the yeah. development of, of those um, working in, in partnerships with the Development Bank of Wales yeah. to help them explore options for that. So I, I'm, I guess I have uh, actually land on a question. In the ORP, you're, you're working with social housing providers such as councils and, and RSLs, where essentially there's a small number of decision makers. I'm, I'm oversimplifying this and I recognise, yeah. but you've, you know, you've got a body who can make decisions about a large number of homes. The challenge we think is is how you get that to then travel into individual decisions about individual homes. So what how are you approaching kind of taking that learning from ORP into the owner occupied space? What is it that's going to make the, what you learn there work in a very different kind of market and tenure type? Yeah, so that will be a, a whole mixture of carrot stick type things, won't it? So we're very, very keen to make sure that we decarbonise in a way that doesn't exacerbate fuel poverty, just to be clear. So obviously, one of the fastest ways to decarbonise Wales would be to decarbonise the electricity supply and force everybody to go to electric heating. But that, that would put the fuel bills up for very large numbers of people and you know would have very, very far reaching socioeconomic effects, that we, which we don't it's just not worth it. So I mean, one of the arguments we have all the time with 
various NGOs is why don't you go to net zero faster than 2050? But actually, it's about trying to do the just transition. It's very important to us to do that just transition and that the transition costs don't fall on the, the shoulders least able to bear them, exactly as you say. So the people in the worst homes tend to be at the lower end of the socioeconomic scale. They have the worst problems with insulation and so on. So, uh, you know, I, I completely uh, get all of that. And we are definitely trying to make sure that we are running those two things in tandem. Um, so it will be a series of, of a combination of carrots and sticks, won't it? So we will slowly have to we'll have to incentivize it. We'll have to have very low cost loans or um, grant schemes to to get people going. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the moment. I don't have the solution to this. And I'd be very grateful if any of the people um, listening to this or any of the work you do will help us. But trying to incentivize the private rented sector, which is a very important sector for large numbers of people um, in Wales to decarbonize their properties um, when it, you know there's not necessarily any increase in rent income for example and so on is is quite a big issue for us and we don't want to um, so the UK government has, has been saying that all rental homes should be at EPCE for example we fear that that might just uh, have the effect of having an exodus from the private rented sector which is not you know that's not the outcome we want so we want to find incentives to do that so for example we have a a leasing scheme where if a private centre sector landlord wants to hand um, their property over to a registered social landlord or a council locally for a minimum of five years and then in five, 10, 15 years, we will bring the property up to standard and guarantee the local housing allowance in rent to the um, to the uh, landlord. So we have a number of schemes of that sort that we're trying to incentivise. We're also looking for owner-occupiers uh, so it's a mystery to me why homes brought up to EPCA or some other BREAM or whatever test you want to use don't command a premium in the marketplace. I've actually recently spoken to some estate agents here in Wales about you know what, what's happening there because you'd think they would because of your bills being considerably lower and so on, but they don't yet. So it may be that we've got to put tax incentives into that, that you have lower council tax or lower land transaction taxes we call stamp duty in Wales and so on so we'll, we'll do a you know we'll, we're doing a series of bits of work about what carrots might work um, and then also there may be disincentives so you have to pay more council tax if your home isn't at x or y in certain circumstances so we're, we're investigating a series of um, push shove uh, type interventions there and obviously we're looking at what's happening elsewhere in the world how are how are they doing it how are they doing it in other countries um, and then actually uh, one of the ironies of life is that the current energy crisis is of course driving people to be more interested in it and suddenly it's very expensive so you know making sure that you're ready to sort of seize the moment is also um is also one of the things we need to do so um a, a range of things but very happy to work with anyone who's got any other ideas about how we can do it and at the same time we need to have the skilled workforce because so i i will share a personal thing with you that i've been trying to do this in my own home for quite some time and actually finding people skilled enough to be able to give you the right advice for the type of property that you live in is very difficult so making sure that we have the right um advice agencies out there through our energy uh, our energy advice network and so on and making sure we then have the skilled um, tradespeople around Wales and the small companies around Wales who are able to able ready and willing to do that work so we've got a lot of work to do to get that system to be in place to make that sustainable yeah and I, I, I think 
touching on the point about in, in incentives and, and carrots and sticks, as I, as I mentioned, you know, we this is something we've been looking at as part of the work with the development bank and, and as part of our work generally. Um, when talking to homeowners about how they kind of approach the issue of, of upgrading their home in any way, whether they're talking about a new a new kitchen or, or anything else, just trying to kind of understand the process they go through in terms of making the decision about what they get and how they would, would pay for it in the context of loan and, and, and grant finance, what they're trying to achieve when, when they do it. Um, making their home greener doesn't come very high up the list of, of, of motivations that they have. You probably won't, won't be surprised to hear. And when prompted to sort of think about what that would mean for them, that actually the, one of the biggest sources of anxiety is choosing the wrong thing yeah. so you know they've a lot of people are aware of you know heat pumps and, and infrared and other other technology they're worried that if they're kind of incentivized or supported to to do that change in 2022 then it may turn out by 2028 or whatever that that was the wrong thing to buy and they should have got something else or they should have waited for a hydrogen boiler or something like that my concern is that becomes a quite a vicious cycle over time that there's there's always a reason to to delay and delay and delay to kind of wait and see what what's coming next and actually one of the the bits of feedback that we get from those users about the potential role of, of government is to send a really clear signal about the the right tech choices so i just wonder kind of uh, in terms of orp and trying to test those different different options for different archetypes like when when do you see yourself kind of getting to the point where you've done the testing and then are able to more kind of forcibly say, like, this is the right choice for this yeah. type? So, so absolutely. I completely agree with that. And that's why we've approached it the way we have. So we, we want that information for ourselves so that we invest in social housing. We we also make the right choice. We're very aware uh, of the same kind of process that you go through. So we absolutely want to be able to give people good advice on you know what will work in their home and what effect on their energy consumption it will have and what effect on their carbon footprint it will have so coming out of it, we're running we've been running up for a couple of years now so we should you know we're starting to get some of that information through we've been running the innovative housing program for 5 6 years now so we've got a lot of information about what tech that was was used in new build housing and what the effect of that was did it do what it said on the tin so to speak so um you know, we've got a lot of information about uh, various tech trials that we've done on the IHP program and whether they actually are delivering the energy savings that, um, that you know, the manufacturers and, and the house builders set out for them. And, you know, it's really good news from that because the vast majority of them do do what they said they would do. So that's great. And one of the best things that happens to me when I'm a minister is when I go and meet people living in these houses, one particular couple strikes me. They were absolutely delightful. And they said, oh, no, go away and come back in four minutes. I was like really baffled. So anyway, did as I was told and went away and spoke to some journalists and came back in four minutes. And they wanted me to be there when their energy meter went to green and started feeding energy into the grid. And apparently they, you know, they frequently sat at their kitchen table watching their, their thing turn to green and start to earn their money. And they were so excited about it. It was great. And then he told me that they had been spending, you know, hundreds of pounds on energy um, before and now they were spending somewhere between nine and 18 pounds and you know they were they had a lot to say about the difference that had made to their lives not just in 
um, effect on their pocket, um, but the effect on the lady in question, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying, because she was eager to share it with me, had had asthma and other problems, and she wasn't using an inhaler anymore, and her arthritis had got better, and so on. So, you know, we know that healthy houses give people healthy lives. And if you spin that off into the effect on the rest of Wales, you know, the... the um, lessening of the load on the health service and so on it, you know it's a complete win-win so um, we have those lessons already from the IHP program what we what we're now doing is testing out whether they work on older buildings with less good in- insulation and you know particular types of window cavity wall and all that kind of stuff but I'm pretty confident that in the next year or so we will be able to start giving people pretty definitive advice about what will work certainly over you know, the first stage of their investment. And then the other thing to say is we absolutely think that most homes will not be decarbonized in a single go. So, you know, this will be a combination of things that you need to do. You need to up your insulation levels. You need to have a look at your uh, energy consumption, demand um, reduction type measures and so on. And then the last thing I wanted to say, Andy, before we run out of time, (laughs) they're very keen on communal things here in Wales and and community action. So we're very keen on... um, a shared scheme. So I'm. Uh, we're running an experiment in a um, in a, a, a council estate and actually a new estate beside it um, uh, in the north of Swansea, just north of my own constituency, where uh, basically we've got solar panels on all of the roofs that would have the most benefit from those. But that's not every house in the whole area. And then we're they're basically pooling the energy from that and they're also buying energy from the grid at the cheapest possible rate because there's a large number of them and storing it and using it um you know at more expensive times of the day so we are actually exploring quite innovative social um ways of doing this as well to get bills down and to actually uh, reduce demand on the grid and make sure that you're buying you're able to buy that energy from the greenest possible source which obviously buy the more likely you are to be able to have that effect so we're doing a number of other things as well in that field and it, it comes up time and again doesn't it that that's, you know, people want to see fairness in the in the mm-hmm. transition and pooling it in that way is a good example of that so I, I if i can try and cram in one more very quick question and a very quick answer is you've set out a lot of things that, that you are acting on um you've got quite strong hunches and evidence that things will, will work nesta's role is, is about innovation and that's often about the thing that we really know the least about or we're most uncertain of so within what you're working on, what what's the area where you think something new is most needed, where you're perhaps least confident that you know what the way forward is? Maybe we can help. But that's quite a big question, isn't it? So um, uh, we, there will be homes that we simply cannot get to standard. And we're, what to do about those is a, is a big issue for, for me, because this is about net zero carbon as well as just the energy system. So we know that demolishing houses produces a lot of carbon uh, you know, in in unsatisfactory ways. So what do you do about the conundrum of a home that probably can't get up above EPC C mm. or, you know, B? What what are we offering the people who live in those homes and, you know, what can be done about it? Many of our heritage homes, so people, you know, people are living in houses they're very fond of, but they're old and they have um you know, heritage features we don't want to lose. What can we do about that? Um so we're driving uh of recent well, we've got some very exciting developments very recently. I recently went to see um, some wallpaper that heats up in your home um, and runs off a 26-volt supply. I've been all over Twitter on that, so hopefully you Yeah, saw. I've seen that, yeah. That's yeah, true. so we are really looking at really innovative, um, uh, cutting-edge things that might might work for 
um, homes that perhaps will never get to the, some of the standards that we're looking at right now. And then the last thing I want to say is I'm not sure that the standards we're currently using are fit for purpose either. Yeah. So, uh, you know, EPC has quite a lot of drawbacks we could probably spend another half hour talking about. So actually the development of a standard that really does tell homeowners exactly what they're using and what their carbon footprint is will really help as well and help us to calibrate it. Yeah, and that's I agree. That's another area that we've been trying to think about whether we can help in developing that that new standard and something that's going to give people confidence. So, Minister, thank you so much for your your time today for, for joining us. That's been really interesting to to speak to you. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening as well. Uh, just to let you know that the next Nest session uh, next Wednesday will be with Rebecca Sweeney from the Energy Systems Catapults Living Living Lab, who will be speaking to uh, our director of the Sustainable Future, Madeline Gabriel. So please do set your reminders for that. And thank you once again to Julie James MS for joining us today. Uh, and we'll see you all next time.